The following is audio from The Refuge Church. Every sermon is an invitation to understand, obey, and enjoy God. More information about The Refuge Church is available at therefugechurch.us. Good morning, Refuge Church, loved ones, family, and friends. Daniel, Isaiah, pay attention. I can see you guys. That was a side joke for my siblings. But it's good to be with you guys this morning. And I'm excited to deep, uh, to dive into the book of Joshua uh, with you uh, this morning. Before I dig into Joshua, I want to start with this. It was April the 4th, 1968. And Dr. King was in Memphis, Tennessee, uh, where there were sanitation workers who were on strike. And on that fateful day, Dr. King decided to address the sanitation workers. And not to uh, read the whole speech, because it would take long, I decided to read a part of the speech that I think is very important. Dr. King said this, I don't know what will happen now. We've got some difficult days ahead, but it really doesn't matter to me now because I've been to the mountaintop and I don't mind. Like anybody, I would like to live a long life. Longevity has its place, but I'm not concerned about the now. I just want to do God's will. And he's allowed me to go to the mountain and I've looked over and I've seen the promised land. I may not get there with you, but I want you to know tonight that we as a people, we will get to the promised land. And so I'm happy tonight. I'm not worried about anything. I'm not fearing any man. My eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. And at 6 p.m., that day, Dr. King was assassinated in his hotel room. He didn't know that was going to be his final speech. But if you listen to the speech, you could feel like Dr. King knew the end was coming. So my question for you this morning as we dive into Joshua 23 is, if your time has come to an end, and you had the opportunity to address your loved ones, your family, friends, co-workers, people that are close to you, what will your parting words be to them? In the book of Joshua, we enter the middle of a story. God has called his people out of slavery and into freedom. They have left, but they have not yet arrived. The journey has been difficult, Many have been lost along the way. Now they stand in the threshold. The promise is before them. But what will it take to enter the promised land? Before we dig into our text, let's pray. Jesus, we ask you to fill us with your presence this morning. I pray that wherever you are watching, 
just pray that you be overwhelmed with the presence of the Holy Spirit. Talk to us through your words. And I pray that the words that I speak this morning will not be mine, but yours. Thank you for this, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. So Joshua chapter 23. And I read verse 1 and 2. After a long time had passed and the Lord had given Israel rest from all their enemies around them, Joshua by then, a very old man, summoned all Israel, their elders, leaders, judges, and officials, and said to them, I am very old. So the journey is almost coming to an end for Joshua. Joshua is very old. But before he passes on, he gathers the leadership of Israel to give them a farewell address. But the farewell address was to communicate to them the, the, the things that are important to his heart and the most important things that they need to hear about what the journey is going to look like after he moves on. And so what do the people need to hear? What is dear to Joshua? Verse 3, he starts by saying, You yourself must have seen everything the Lord your God has done to all these nations for your sake. It was the Lord who fought for you. Remember how I have allotted as an inheritance for your tribes all the land of the nations that remain, the nations I conquered between the Jordan and the Mediterranean Sea in the west. The Lord your God himself will push them out for your sake. He will drive them out before you, and you will take possession of the land, as the Lord your God has promised you. And so Joshua starts his farewell speech by reminding the people of God's faithfulness. Right? Joshua begins his address by giving glory to God. It, it will have been easy for Joshua to focus on what he had done as a military leader because he was a brilliant military leader and he was a man who feared God. And so Joshua had so many good qualities that we can imitate. Right? And so if Joshua talked about how awesome he was, there wouldn't have been anything wrong with that. But being a man of faith, Joshua gives glory to God. He was more interested in glorifying God than talking about himself. And then Joshua reminds the people, I didn't fight for you, the Lord fought for you. Remember Jericho? All the people had to do was march. And the walls came down. The Lord fought the battles. And all the other battles that Israel won, it wasn't them who were winning. It was the Lord fighting those battles and then he also adds that even though the land has been divided to the 12 tribes not all the lands have been conquered and now it remains for each individual tribe to fully possess what God has given them in verse 5 what is interesting is that Israel is going to take an entirely passive role in the possession of the land from now on the driving out of the locals is to be left entirely in Yahweh's hands. 
And so after Joshua has moved on, God will take the quest of driving out the Canaanites himself. But there is a condition. And so what will it take for God to completely drive the Canaanites so that Israel can inherit the land that was promised to them and finally enjoy the rest that God promised them? In verse 6, Joshua said, Be very strong. Be careful to obey all that is written in the book of the law of Moses without turning aside to the right or to the left. Do not associate with these nations that remain among you. Do not invoke the names of their gods or swear by them. You must not serve them or bow down to them. For you are to hold fast to the Lord your God as you have until now. The Lord has driven out before you a great and powerful nation. To this day, no one has been able to withstand you. One of you routes a thousand because the Lord your God fights for you, just as, he's, just as he promised. So be very careful to love the Lord your God. So God will fight the battle for them from now on. But what does he require from Israel? Total obedience. Total obedience to the word of God. God is saying, I will honor the covenant that I made with you. I will give you the lands that I promised you. I will give you the rest that I promised you. But in order for that to happen, in order for me to conquer all the remaining lands that is not in your possession right now, I need total obedience to the law from you. And so in verse 6, uh, Joshua says, Therefore be very courageous. See, f following God's law is not something for the faint of heart. We need strength and courage for that. And Paul knew how challenging this was when he said, I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. For what I hate to do, I do. To keep and do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses. They must do all that is written in the book. Right? And so this is what God wants from Israel. To obey all that is written in the book of Moses. See, sometimes we tend to focus on the aspect of obedience that we like. And we skip the other parts that attract us less. But God requires total obedience to all of his laws. And so what is the law of Moses that Joshua admonishes the people to completely obey? It's found in Deuteronomy chapter 7 verse 1 to 6. When the Lord your God brings you into the land you are entering to possess and drives out before you many nations, the Hittites, Girgashites, Amorites, Canaanites, Perizzites, Hivites, Jebusites, seven nations larger and stronger than you. And when the Lord your God has delivered them over to you and you have defeated them, then you must destroy them totally. Make no treaty with them and show them no mercy. Do not intermarry with them. Do not give your daughters to their sons or take their daughters for your sons. 
for they will turn your children away from following me to serve other gods, and the Lord's anger will burn against you and will quickly destroy you. Five, this is what you ought to do to them. Break down their altars, smash their sacred places, cut down their Asherah poles, and burn their idols in the fire. So what did the law of Moses require the Israelites to do? They were to have no physical, social, or emotional ties with the Canaanites. Moses said, do not marry with them. Do not call on their gods. Do not make an oath to their gods. Do not worship or even bow down to their gods. So why the total separation from the Canaanite? Because he who walks in the counsel of the ungodly will soon stand in the way of sinners and shortly sit in the seat of scoffers. Psalms chapter 1 verse 1. God's desire is for his people to be set apart, to be a holy nation and a royal priesthood. And that is why association with the Canaanites is not allowed. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 14, Paul says this, Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can lie hard with darkness? When you hang out with the wrong crowd, you will start doing what they do. The Canaanites were evil people, and God wanted his people to be separate. And that is why he demanded total obedience to what Moses told them to do when they are in the promised land. So how do God's people remain set apart? How do they remain holy? Verse 8, by holding fast to the Lord your God as you have done to this day. Deuteronomy chapter 11 verse 18 to 20 says this, Fix these words of mine in your heart and minds. Tie them as a symbol on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Teach them to your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road. When you lie down and when you get up, write them on the door frames of your house and on your gate. Meditate on God's word day and night so that you will be careful to observe all that he commanded you to do. That was what God told Joshua to do in Joshua chapter 1 verse 7. That is how we hold on. But how do we also keep ourselves separate? How does Israel keep themselves holy? By loving God with all of their hearts. I love this poem. This poem was written by Pedro Arupe, who was a general uh, superior of the Society of Jesus. And this is what he says in the poem. Nothing is more practical than finding God that is than falling in love in quite an absolute way. What you are in love with, what seizes your imagination will affect everything. What you do with your evenings, how you spend your weekend, what you read, what you know, what breaks your heart, 
and what amazes you with joy and gratitude. Fall in love, stay in love, and it will decide everything. When we are consumed for our love for God, keeping God's love becomes a joy and a delight. The psalmist says, I delight in keeping your word. And we delight in keeping God's laws if we love him. That's how we remain separate. But what happens if Israel disobeys? In verse 12, Joshua says this, But if you turn away and ally yourself with the survivors of these nations that remain among you, and if you intermarry with them and associate with them, then you may be sure that the Lord your God will no longer drive out these nations before you. Instead, they will become snares and traps for you, whips on your backs and turns in your eyes until you perish from this good land which the Lord your God has given you. So what was the warning? The warning is sin and disobedience have consequences. The warning is if you fail Israel to honor your side of the covenant, God will not honor his side of the covenant either. What will God do? The God, God will not drive out the Canaanites out of the promised land like he had promised to. And there will be no inheritance or rest for Israel. And then Joshua adds also in verse 13, he says the Canaanite will be snares and traps to you and scourges on your sides and thorns in your eyes until you perish. If you decide to follow the Canaanite's way, they will lead you into ruin and total destruction. So if Israel does not separate themselves from the ungodly influences around them, those influences will become to them instruments of torture leading to their destruction. And then Joshua concludes his farewell speech starting in verse 14 by saying, Now I am about to go the way of all the earth, and you know with all your heart and soul that one of all the good promises the Lord your God gave you has failed. Sorry, not all, not one of all the good promises the Lord your God gave you has failed. Every promise has been fulfilled. Not one has failed. 15. But just as all the good things the Lord your God has promised you have come to you, so he will bring on you all the evil things he had threatened until the Lord your God has destroyed you from this good land he has given you. If you violate the covenant of the Lord your God, which he commanded you, and go and serve other gods and bow down to them, the Lord's anger will burn against you, and you will quickly perish from the good land he has given you. And so Joshua starts the conclusion in verse 14 by telling them, You know with all your heart and all your soul that not one thing has failed that God has promised. So Joshua required that every man should probe deep within and see if there is ever a time they could rightly accuse God of unfaithfulness. Because all have come to pass for you, not one word of them has failed. God is always faithful. He's true to his words. 
He never fails at keeping his promises. Paul says, when we are faithless, he remains faithful. And Joshua wants people to remember that. To remember how true God has been to his word. And to stay faithful. But then he also adds, But as all the good things have come upon you, which the Lord your God promised you, so the Lord will bring upon you harmful things. Joshua is just simply repeating the principle of blessing and dis Blessings for obedience and cursing for disobedience. That was a specific part of Israel's covenant with God. He emphasizes that God will be just as faithful as he has been to them. But if he disobeys, God will judge them also. So what do we learn from Joshua chapter 23? What do we learn about the farewell speech here? The first thing that I take away from Joshua 23 is that God still requires obedience to his laws. God still requires obedience to his law. That's the first lesson. What is the purpose of the law? In the Old Testament, the law was there to reveal the holy character of the eternal God to the nation of Israel. And then the second reason for the law in the Old Testament was to set apart the nation of Israel as distinct from other nations, right? And so the law is good. The law is there for us, but it's also there to reveal to us who God is so that we can learn to worship Him in an appropriate manner. But what is the purpose of the law for us today? For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes the knowledge of sin. Romans chapter 3, 20. Paul says the law is a mirror for us, so that when we look at it, we can tell what's wrong with us. And then how can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. Psalms chapter 119 verse 9. To keep our heart pure, we have to guard it with the word of God, the law that God has given us. And then all scripture is God-breathed. It is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. The law is there for teaching us, for rebuking us, correcting, and training in righteousness so that we will be ready for all good works. Ephesians says God created us to do good works. And through our good works, God is glorified in heaven. Jesus also adds in John chapter 14, verse 5, If you love me, keep my commandments. And then in 1 John chapter 5, verse 3, this is love for God to obey His commandments, and His commands are not burdensome. Like Israel, we are in a covenant relationship with God. And also in the Old Testament, a covenant is usually an agreement 
between two parties of unequal standing. What do I mean by that? God makes a covenant with Israel, right? God Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth, makes a covenant with Abraham, right? Abraham was from a pagan nation, yet God called him out and said, through you I will bless the world. Like Israel didn't deserve to be called by God, and yet God chose Israel. God showed his faithfulness to Israel. And like Israel, we are in a covenant with God because we are now a holy nation, a royal priesthood. And God has honored his side of the covenant by sacrificing his son to die on the cross for my sins and for your sins. And how do we honor our side of the covenant? By loving God through keeping his words. Most of you are familiar with the love languages, right? Uh, love language of touch, of gift, of quality time, and all of that. God has a love language too. And God's love language is for us to obey and keep his laws. That is how we show God we love him. And actually, keeping God's law is actually good for us also, right? Honor your father and mother so that you may live long, right? Think about all the laws in the Bible. They are for our benefit. They are to grow us spiritually. But they are also for us to be a witness to those around us, to be different, to be holy, to be set apart. God honored his side of the covenant through the cross. And how do we respond? By loving him, by keeping his laws, which are good for us. So what's the first lesson we learned from Joshua 23? God still requires for us to keep his laws. The second lesson from Joshua 23 is, while all of Yahweh's promises have been fulfilled, bringing Israel in the land if Israel turns away from Yahweh Israel will perish from the land and so even God even though God has blessed us he could easily take them from us and punish us if we disobey sin has consequences why did Jesus have to die because somebody had to pay for our sins yes there's grace so much grace, grace that we don't deserve every day. But what we do also affects other people. Our sin have consequences, directly or indirectly. And that is why we have to obey. And then the final takeaway from this passage is that we have to avoid the company of evildoers because they will cause us strife in our lives and pull us away from the faith. There's a saying that says, if you lie with dogs, you wake up with fleas. I think about growing up, my mom was so adamant with me hanging out with bad company. And I had friends that I just wanted to hang out with because it was so much fun. But she saw something in them that I didn't know. And looking back at it, I thank her for it. 
God didn't want Israel to have to do anything with the Canaanite nation because they were evil. They were sacrificing babies and all forms of idolatry and all kinds of wickedness. And God wanted his people to be set apart. And for us today, it is a lesson that we can learn. We have to be careful with the company that we hang out with. Remember King Solomon? One of the greatest king and the wisest men on earth. Who was faithful at the beginning. But what happened to him towards the end of his life? I mean, his wife turned him away from worshiping the one true God. Remember King Ahab, who married Queen Jezebel, one of the evil queens in the Bible? I mean, she was killing God's prophets. And she also turned her husband away from worshiping the true God. You read the book of Kings, and you see kings who were evil, who were sometimes even worse than the pagan nations that lived around them. That is what bad company does for us. So we have to avoid them. And then lastly, so many things we can learn about Joshua. This is a man who is nearing his end. But at his heart, it was to communicate what was important to him, what the people needed to know. And that was glorifying God and obeying God at His words. And I pray for that for us this morning. I mean, praise God for the cross. Because without the cross, we are nothing. But we can respond. And how do we respond? By loving God, by being faithful to His word, by keeping His commands that are good for us. I pray for that for us today and every day of our lives. Pray with me. Jesus, you are a good, good Father. Thank you for loving us. We fail every day. We disobey your commands. And yet your mercies are new every morning. So we thank you for the grace and mercy and love that you show us all the time just teach us how to love you. Lord, we don't know how to love you well. Teach us where to start. To love you like we ought to. Thank you for this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to thank you for uh, joining us this morning from my house, from Matt's house, uh, live from the Burwell Coffee Oasis. It is just such a blessing and a privilege to uh, be able to share this time with you. We want to invite you to help us in incarnating King Jesus in city life, speaking its languages, singing its rhythms, sharing its spaces, freeing the oppressed, fighting injustice, finding people of peace, inviting the city into the kingdom of God.